What's up? Four points. Come on now. Come on. Ho, 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 ho. That is really bad. So I'm going to need some. I know it's 915 service, but that worship was awesome, wasn't it? Huh? So I need some kind of something from y'all this morning. I know it's, so y'all can clap. That's a good, but I just need, I just need some kind of feedback. Here we go. Thank you. So I'm going to ask y'all again, what I need y'all to do is be this much Pentecostal and say, what's up, Pastor P? Y'all ready? What's up, four points? All right, that's good. That's good. Masterpiece, good too, but that's, that's a little weird. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So anyway, listen. I want to say this about our, our worship team. Um, if y'all have seen on Facebook, we've we've kind of posted a couple. But Austin's put three songs on there from uh, the 12th of January, and then I think uh, two weeks ago. And so they're live, and it's it's the recording from the the board, and it's awesome. So if you want to get on there, it's at the bottom of the page. If you go to fourpoints.org, and I listen to it during the day because I've got some CDs that I love to listen to. And of course now it's not CDs anymore. It's on our phones and all of our technology. But I find that our worship band is as worshipful, if not more worshipful than a lot of other things that I can buy. And so I'm I'm um, so pumped. And so that's a shameless plug. We're going to have you some CDs sooner than later of some of these songs that we've done. But it is a lot easier. Can I just tell you this? It is a lot easier. And this is an excuse. But that's okay. It's a lot easier to get up and preach when worship's good. And so I'm grateful for our team and how awesome worship is. And so uh, this is the last week of excuses. And we've gone through things that we make excuses about. But this is the one that, that all of us have made excuses about. Because the truth is we all look and say, you know what? God really can't use me because of, right? And there's a blank. God can't use me because... And we look at it and we say, well, well, Pastor Mark, if you knew all the stuff that I've done in the past, dude, you wouldn't believe it. Or if you knew what I did this last week, right? If you knew what I did this last week, there's no way. The way I talked to my wife, the way that I treated my husband, the way that I treated my mom or my dad. Like if you knew who I was in my core, then you would understand that God really can't use me. And we make excuses to God, don't we? God called all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to listen to this. If you're not, stay with me because we got something for you in a minute. If you're a follower of Jesus, God called every single one of us to be greatly used, not just used by God. And this is what we do. If God calls us to something, we say, What's, what is, whoa, whoa, God. Now, do you know who you're talking to? Because this dude right here, he's jacked up, right? Do you really know who you're talking to? And I know some of you are thinking that. Do you know how I know? You've told me. I've had conversations with you and you've told me, dude, I'm so far out there. God can't use me. So I wanted to give you some examples from the Bible to show you the jacked up, messed up, crazy people that God used. All right. And there's a bunch of them and I've only used a couple. All right. You ready? Noah. Some of y'all, there's a movie coming out. It's going to be awesome. It's about him building the ark and stuff. It's going to be very cool. Noah was a drunk and dude was crazy, right? Dude was crazy. Obviously God used Noah. All right. Continuing, Abraham. Abraham's an interesting one to me. Because y'all know, Father Abraham, how many of y'all know him to have any sons? Raise your hand if you don't know what I'm talking about right now. I'm going to be impressed. If that's real, that's awesome, because I don't believe you. Many sons had Father Abraham. Y'all saying, I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just, and then we all did this, right? We get crazy. Abraham, right, the father of the Jewish nation. The father. Like, he should be awesome. No sins. Can I just tell you, this is the dude that bothers me as much as any of them. Because when his wife, they would go into places, he would say, this is my sister. You can sleep with her. No, that is so 
can kill me before I will let you sleep with my wife. What is wrong with dude, right? He was crazy. Like, at that point, he should have not been used by God. That's just my opinion. Y'all can think about it what you want. But he lied to protect his own life and let someone sleep with Sinus. So if that doesn't bother y'all, y'all are better than me. Then you got Jacob, who lied and stole Esau's inheritance. And then you got Leah, who Jacob married on accident, right? Because he wanted Rachel. And she was ugly, but my Leah's not. Baby, you're hot. I love you. So I just wanted to throw that in. But, but she couldn't be used by God, right? Because she was ugly. And then you got Joseph, who was abused and left for dead. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Right? If anyone should have had an excuse not to be used by God, it was Joseph. But I love Genesis fifty twenty. What man intends for evil, God intends for good. All of these things came together so Joseph could basically... We were having this conversation yesterday. Joseph made Egypt what Egypt was during the famine because he bought everything up. But, but he couldn't be used by God. And, and everybody thought, well, he's dead. There, he'll never be anything. So he can't be used by God. And then there's Moses. There's Moses who, who if you're going to define leadership... If, like, if you own a business and you want to improve your business, you should look at the leadership principles of Moses because he was amazing. Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, uses the word excuses. He makes excuses over and over. God, I can't be used. I stutter. Right? I killed a dude. That's probably a good excuse, by the way. If one of y'all killed a dude, don't kill me. Okay, but anyway, that, like, but you understand, Moses made more excuses than maybe anyone leading up to this point. He, he actually told God. Are you serious? Me? Like, I can't even talk clearly. Some of y'all are sitting right where you are right now, and you're thinking, I understand what he's saying. God, there's no way God can use me. Here's some other ones. Samson had long hair, and he was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and murdered someone, and y'all know the story very well if you've grown up in church. Yet he was called a man after God's own heart and was greatly used after that. Jonah ran from God, and not only did he run from God, but he hated the people that God wanted him to go save. And when he saved them, he still hated them, and he was mad that he saved them. Crazy, right? Peter denied Christ, and he cussed. And I think that part's cool, but y'all just y'all can think whatever you want about him. But I understand Peter. Me and Peter are kindred spirits. But Peter denied Jesus at the most critical time. When Jesus was about to be killed, He denied to the point of cursing, saying, I do not know him three times before that rooster crowed. All the disciples, at some point in time, with the exception of maybe John, fell away. All the disciples. When Jesus asked them to pray in the garden, they fell asleep. Couldn't even stay awake. Zacchaeus was too small, stole from people, was a horrible man. Was just a horrible, crude man. Paul was religious hated Christians and had them killed. And maybe, I would argue, in our lifetime, no human being that was not God being Jesus, no human being has ever changed the course of history more than Paul. And yet, it was his life's mission to kill Christians or to see them killed or to see Christianity completely destroyed, and yet God used him, didn't he? And then Lazarus is a good one because he was dead, right? So there's no way he can be used by God. And so in that all-encompassing group of people that God used greatly, you should find yourself in one of them why you believe you're not good enough. You might think that you're ugly. You might think that you can't speak well enough. You might think that look at what I've done 
look at my sins, when I take an inventory of myself, there's no way God can use me. And this is what's amazing about God. And I'm telling y'all, if you need me to figure this out as your pastor, it's probably never going to happen. I don't get why God loves me in spite of who I am. But I accept that fact, and I think it's amazing. But the one thing that if you say you get this, maybe you're smarter than me, is that God loves us in our junk. And, and he chooses. Listen, when I come here and I want to be changed, I don't have to change to come. God changes me. And so listen, listen. You can be greatly used by God today, but you've got to believe what God gives you. And here's the whole deal. This is what I want you to get today. The reason the last song was so good. His grace amazes me. Well, I need you to get this. If you accept grace that is offered, you cannot stay where you were. You have to radically change. Because to accept grace and to understand what it looks like, you can't continue to be the same person. And so excuses go out the window because you say, no, I've got Jesus. I don't want to be the same person that I was. I've got Jesus. That, that's what I'm, that's, that, that is me now. It defines me. All that junk that I was. It no longer defines me. It's in my past. It's what I was. It's what he had to save me from. But, but I'm defined by Jesus and his grace. And so we're going to look at a story. And if, and if you're a person that's ever taught the Bible, this is one of those stories that's like candy for a pastor or candy for a Bible teacher because it kind of preaches itself. I've never taught this passage, which is crazy because of what I just said. And probably none of you in here, maybe a couple of you in here can relate to this story. But all of us can relate to the fact of being shamed and being put away so much that we know that we can't be used by God. And this is what the beauty of this story is, is yes, you can. To throw away the shame, throw away the guilt and let God greatly use you. And so what I want to give you this morning is two reasons why you can be used by God and not why you can't. To throw away those excuses why God wants you to serve and grow and be more than you are right now. And for some of you, that means trusting Christ. And for others of you, that means just getting moved from where you are to where he wants you to go by his grace and his mercy. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 8. One of the coolest stories in all of the Bible is John chapter 8. And here's two reasons why I can be used by God. Two reasons why I can be used by God. The first one is Jesus. Jesus is for me. Jesus is for me. Like Jesus wants me. And that is crazy. Especially, listen, if you feel like I do a lot of times where you say, I can't believe, I can't believe I did that again. Right? Any of y'all feel that way? I can't believe I did that again. God, why do I struggle in the ways that I struggle? Why do I struggle in the ways that I struggle? seems like I go back to the same thing. What is that about me? Can I just be honest with you? If Paul, who I believe was the most influential human being that has ever lived on this planet that wasn't God, struggled and had a thorn in the flesh and continued to go back to the same sins as what it appears that it was, if he did that, then who do I think I am that I won't do that? And Paul was no more of a man or no less of a man than I was, but he was doggone used by God. He, he, so much so that he could say, Watch me live like I live. Well, I'm not to that point yet. But so, so I understand that I'm going to struggle. I understand that I'm going to struggle. It's not okay, but I understand I'm, I'm going to struggle. But this is what I have to understand. In that struggle, God loves me and he's for me and he wants to use me. I, I got to stop making excuses. The reason that I'm not going to be used by God, the reason I'm not going to serve at four points is because I'm terrible. Join the club. That's what all of us are. 
We need one more hypocrite to just join the party. We got a hypocrite band. We're awesome. That's what we are, right? That's who people are. Anyone that says they're not a hypocrite is being hypocritical because they're lying, right? So join the club. We love to have you. It's awesome. So this is what the story happened in John chapter 8. And as we read this, this is what I need y'all to do. As we read this, I want y'all to picture being there. Picture being there as Jesus is teaching. And then these people bring this woman out. I want you to just picture what it looked like. Picture watching Jesus. Picture being one of the guys in the crowd. And I, 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 this could be four different sermons because there's so many angles you can take. Today, we're going to be the lady caught in adultery. And I want you to just picture why you can't be used by God. Picture your shame of where you've been and then where God wants to take you. So watch this. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. So picture yourself being around the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And so the purpose why we came at that time was to hear Jesus teach. We are not a religious leader. We just came to hear Jesus teach. What must it have been like to hear Jesus teach? Would that not have been amazing? The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the, in the act of adultery. Translation, she was getting it on right now, right? And I brought her out. So, so it's not like I heard she was having adultery. I heard she was a bad person. I got her out while it was getting crazy, Okay. Now, the, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say? And so these religious leaders were challenging him, trying to trap him. What do you say we should do with this whore, with this prostitute, Jesus? Because obviously we have the right to stone her. And at that moment, can you imagine being that woman? Because I, I've never, by the grace of God, never com- had adultery, committed adultery. So no one could have pulled me out of that. But can I tell you how many times people could have pulled me out of other things that no one was watching, right? No one knew that it was happening. Can I tell you how many times that could have happened in my life if someone could have caught me where no one else knew what was going on? And I I hope that you can understand what I'm saying right now, right? Like if the dirtiest, darkest things that's ever happened in my life, if someone could have grabbed me in my room, like have you ever had that thought? What if so-and-so could see me right now? Well, God's watching, Mark. Crazy thought. That, that that really goes through my mind. But what if someone could pull me out and say, look what he was doing? So I can picture that shame that if all of you guys could see what was taking place in my darkest, deep, deepest, grossest moments, I can just picture what it was like to be her. Can you picture it? Her head between her legs, bowed down, doesn't want anyone to even recognize who she is. She was a modern-day porn star. She was a prostitute. She was gross. No one wanted to be around her. And everyone would in this room have given the nod to say, yes, she should be stoned. It was the law. It was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And at that moment, the only person that could save her was Jesus. The only person. And I don't think the religious leaders knew that he thought he would or should. I think they wanted to see if he would kill her. And this is what happened, and this is why the story is so beautiful. So what do you say, Jesus? What what should we do? Verse 6. This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. 
Can you picture it? They, they've come and charged him, and he's on the ground, and he's riding in the sand where they are, right outside the temple where he's teaching, and he's riding. Can you picture it? I've always been fascinated by this scene because I want to know what Jesus wrote in the sand. We have ideas. I have a very strong opinion of what he did, but I w- wish I could see it. I just, I don't want to see it if it's my sin, right? I don't want it to be me. But he, but he bent down and wrote in the sand. As, as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, undoubtedly, in my opinion, what he wrote was all these men, these religious leaders that came and said, this woman should be killed. I believe he wrote their sins in the sand. <laughs> and I just would love to get in the mind of Jesus right here and see what he's thinking when he stood up. Not proud because Jesus didn't sin, but I know I would have looked at him and said, now what you going to do, bruh? Right? Because <laughs> I got you. But in a loving manner, he stands up. As they continued, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And at once he bent down again. He bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. The woman standing before him, ashamed, alone, probably didn't know that the men had left because when you get called out, a lot of times you don't make a big deal and bark about it. When you know you're caught, right, like these men, I can just see them tucking their heads and turning in shame and walking away, realizing that while they did catch the woman in adultery, they were also caught And whatever that is that I don't want to be caught in, that I just said, if someone could pull me out, that's probably what was on the ground. It's just my opinion. But it's probably what was on the ground. And their silence. Can you hear it? With just him and her. And what she's waiting on is when is that massive rock? Because a stoning was not these pebbles. It was big rocks. And they pulverized their heads eventually. And she was waiting to be crushed, bones broken, and eventually her head decapitated, for lack of better words, with a gruesome death. That's what she knew was coming, and she knew she deserved it. And she's sitting there in the quiet, shamed, knowing that God can't use her, knowing that she doesn't deserve anything, knowing that she is guilty as charged. And can I be honest with y'all this morning? That is every single one of us either were or are sitting here right now, we're guilty. We are guilty. We're guilty. Listen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Whether you're an agnostic and you think I'm crazy or not, by the authority of Scripture, in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is God-breathed because Jesus said it, or one of his people said it with the Holy Spirit's inspiration, And he rose from the dead, so he puts the seal of approval on it because all Scripture is God-breathed. This is legit, and it is straight to my heart. I deserve to be separated and punished. And listen, I need y'all to get this. I believe this, and some people might disagree with it. It's okay if you do, because you can be wrong. (laughs) If you don't get to the point that you're like this woman, and you bow your head and you said, God, help me. This is what I deserve. If that's not what you think about yourself, then maybe you can't ever be saved. 
Because if you think you did God a favor by trusting him as Savior, you don't get the point. I'm this woman. This is me. I've never been caught in adultery, but I'm this woman. And when grace touches my heart, it changes everything. People are around me. They deserve to stone me. And I have a Savior that is standing there with me. And he's looking at me. And not only does he love me, he's for me. And he wants a relationship with me. That is crazy, right? Jesus is for me. But I can't just stay there. I can't just understand that Jesus is for me. And then go back to prostituting, right? Because that's what so many of us say. Thank God I got a get out of jail free card. God hooked me up, right? Here's my card. I can do whatever I want the rest of my life. That is awesome. No, if, if you really get it, what, what you were and what he does in you, you cannot stay the same. Yes, we struggle, but you cannot stay the same. You cannot stay the same. And the reason is, is Jesus wants me, wants you, wants us to walk in his freedom, not just freedom, but in his freedom. That's what Jesus wants for you. He is for you, but that's not enough. He wants you to walk in his freedom. He wants you to walk in his freedom. And listen, for every person that's tasted grace in here, you've tasted it. You've experienced Jesus and what he offers you by being that lonely woman or man that is shamed and alone and knows you can't be used by God because of all the nasty things you've done. And then Jesus scoops you up and says, I've got you. I'm for you. Even in the middle of all that, I'm for you. You cannot stay the same. So this week, Lee and I were um, discussing my message and I always throw stuff back and forth with her. And uh, just, you know, she's smart and I'm whatever. So I try to I try to get what she thinks and all that stuff. And I'm going through this message and I said, I really, and of course it was a snow day, so she was home um, that I was finishing on a Wednesday. And I said, I, I want a story that captures grace that's not salvation. And there's only one that I can think of. And she knew exactly what I was talking about. And she said, basically, you need to use our story of me and her, and you have permission. So, apologies before I tell it. I'm going to do the best I can not to cry. I hate to cry in front of grown men, because I want y'all to think that I'm a man. (laughs) But I'm going to do my best, and I think I can do it. But anyway, Lee and I have been married for about a year. We loved each other. We got married when we were about 20. Uh, We were 20. We weren't about 20. We got married when we were 20. I turned 21 on the honeymoon, which was an awesome 21st birthday present. But anyway, if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, someday you will. Um, so, Lee and I had a lot of fun married young. Um, I don't recommend it to everybody, but if I had to do it over again, I would get married to Leah 10 times out of 10 when I was 20, because she was awesome. Leah was ready to be married. Leah was ready to be married. She was mature enough. Her mind was right. I don't think that I was. And I was not doing what God wanted me to do. Some of y'all don't know this, but I quit college. I ran from ministry. I worked for my dad. This was not his fault. This was 100% my fault. Um, But I honestly believe God used it in my life to get me to this point. But our marriage suffered. Our marriage suffered tremendously. I was gone some of our first year to Hartsville for four days at a time, and I would come back, and things were awesome, and then I would just lose my temper and snap off. Um, I never hit Leah. I never hit Leah, but I would cuss her like a dog and was just nasty to her. And then one day, I think we had been married about a year and a half. 
Um, I just lost it. I have no idea. I've tried to think since Wednesday when I decided to do this what the fight was about. I wish I could remember, but I honestly believe it was not significant. Honestly believe it was not significant. Um, but I just lost it. And I mean to the point of throwing things. I broke things in our house. Um, I just completely flipped. And where it all went sour is obviously I should not have been verbally abusing her for, and it wasn't every day, but it was, it was more often than it ever should have been because once is too many. And um, where it turned for the bad and where our marriage should have ended or, or was on the cusp of irreversible damage is when I raised my fist up to her to punch my wife. I wasn't open-handed. I closed my fist. And I, I wish I could answer honestly if I almost hit her because I have thought about it for 12 years because we've been married almost 13 years and it's almost 12 years ago that it happened. I have no idea if I almost hit my wife. I did not, but it is only by the grace of God because I think I fully intended to. And she freaked out as she should have. Um, I think it hit me. I think reality at that second hit me of what I had done and um, so Leah did what she should have done. I have really good parents, and Leah called my parents, who love me. And um, she went to their house. I had no idea. I was so angry, even though I knew I was wrong and I knew I was caught. I was so angry. I had so much anger in my heart that I didn't even recognize what I had done to her at the time. And my dad called me and said, Mark, I need you to come over here. Well, I was only, I think, 22. I, like I said, I... It was about a year and a half after we were married, so I was young still, but I knew why my dad was calling me. I knew it wasn't to hang out. So I drove over to his house, and I sat down, and Mom and Dad were at the kitchen table, and there was Leah just crying like crazy. And um, so I, I had a decision to make. Am I going to be the same Mark that I was when I walked in here, or am I going to accept what they're offering me because the first thing that they said to me was we love you all three of them and I put myself in that position so many times if it was Laney or Haston first of all if it was Laney I would want to kill the dude right and so thank God they went to my parents and then if I'm Leah and Leah would have done the same thing to me right because I'm vengeful and justice minded and I want to get what's mine and I want to get what's right, what would I have done because I wronged her as bad as a human being can wrong another one by treating her so poorly. And she, with big old crocodile tears, said, I love you. And that day, listen, I've made mistakes every, every single week of our marriage, but I've never come close again. Never come close again to snapping like that. And there's times because I'm crazy, I look at her and I say things that I wish I could take back. But I was shown grace. I need y'all to get this. True grace. The only time that I can picture what, when grace was given me in life circumstance, I was shown that grace. And I accepted it. And I changed. And I have never been the same since that day. I did really good until that moment. Because I should it should have ended really bad. If Leah would have walked out of my house that day, and never would have come back. I w that's kind of me getting what I get, you know. And it's, she is, besides Jesus, the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I knew that then. 
and I abused her verbally and almost physically. And I deserve to be divorced and to be pushed out and to never be talked to again because I was a horrible person. Now, I don't know what y'all think about me right now. The point of that wasn't to bring up old stuff in our marriage. The point of that was to show you that once I received that grace, I was shamed when I walked in the house. My head was between my legs. I had no pride. I did not walk in there and say, if you only knew what my marriage was like, I walked in there and thought, you're right, I'm caught. I was the picture of the man that realizes that he does not have Jesus, but how much he needs him. Because I realized that all the cards were in her hands at this point because I just have to beg for forgiveness. And if she wants to take me back, she can. And I don't know if she ever considered not, but she never told me she ever did because that's how much my wife loves me and that's how awesome she is. And I think a lot of y'all are awesome, but I don't think any of y'all are more awesome than mine. But I feel more strongly about Jesus than I do Leah. Because I'm that woman standing there completely ashamed. And I also had to ask my Heavenly Father for forgiveness. And this is the part of the story that I love more than anything else. Jesus wants me to pick up and not be that same man and change. Jesus stood up, verse 10, and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Can you picture her on her knees, emotional? She looks up. She's looking for the men that drug her out by her hair to kill her. And the only thing she can say is no one, Lord. No one. No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. If you have a pen or a paper, please underline Please underline, please underline verse 11. Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on, sin no more. From now on, sin no more. Like They didn't have to tell me that when I was at their house. You can't do this again, Mark. So I figured I, it was just kind of there, right? She had been given the chance to be used, not just be, not just be changed and not go to hell. Listen, that's not salvation. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is not, I get to not go to hell. That is an awesome, awesome byproduct of salvation. That's awesome, right? Salvation is me realizing that there's a God in heaven that loves me and sent Jesus for me and wants a relationship where he's for me and he wants me to walk in his freedom. Salvation is realizing that I'm the same person that's on the ground. that deserves total separation from God for all of eternity and is awful. And God looks at me and says, no, where's everybody that's condemning you? Where's all these people that are condemning you? They're all gone, Lord. It's just me and you. Live a life of freedom, Mark. Live a life of freedom. This is what I want you to know. In in May, I'm going to do a sermon series on 1 John. It's, It's such a great book in the Bible. 
But for this, this just tied in so good because I need you to know who Jesus is in this situation. For each and every one of us. First John chapter 2 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So that you may not sin. But listen, but if anyone does sin, because guess what? It's going to happen. You have to flee and leave your life if you understand grace. But, but if any of you do sin, listen to what happens. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate. An advocate who stands there for me. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation. To, propiti- to propitiate someone means I've fallen out of favor. And someone on my behalf works for me and helps me. Get back into favor. That is who God is. He's our propitiation. I'm out of favor with God because of the sin that I have, but God is my advocate. Jesus stands and cries for me. He loves me. Listen, this doesn't say you cannot sin. You will sin. But when I do sin, I have an advocate in Jesus. He's my friend. He loves you. He loves me. He's the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, the least, the lost, the lonely, every single person out there. Why we do church is because He wants them too. He wants them too. He wants them too. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, for my sake, when I was doing that to my wife, in my worst, darkest time that I don't like to talk about, for my sake, he, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that I might, so that I might, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God so that I might have that opportunity. He became my sin. And then after taking it, listen, this is what blows my mind. After taking that sin, he's my advocate. He doesn't hate me. Jesus loves me. I am without excuse to be greatly used. Without excuse. But I need everyone to get this before you leave. There are no excuses for any one of you in here. None. You walk out of here and you have no weapons for excuses. But this is the truth. This is the truth. You cannot stay the same. Salvation is not simply saying yes and being the same. Salvation is realizing who I am. That man that is shamed when I walk into my father's house. With my advocate standing beside him. Saying, I love him. This is who I died for. When you realize that, you can never be the same. You can never be the same. It strips all of my pride, all of my dignity, all of my manliness, right? That I'm so tough. No, I I didn't do any of this. This is Jesus. I deserve separation. But Jesus loves me. Can I just tell you the truth? I'm going to try not to raise my voice anymore because I'm going to cry. 
There's not a person in here or watching online that God can't radically and miraculously change and then use. Because he doesn't need you, we need him. He doesn't need me to stand up here and preach. I need him, and because I have him, I do what he called me to do. At the moment that I realize how rotten and vile I am and realize what he's done in me, I cannot be the same person. I have to change. I have to change. And I'm asking every one of y'all in here to do an honest inventory of who you are and evaluate if you've changed because that is salvation. Salvation comes to those who call on the name of the Lord. We will do this every week because I believe in the gospel. But if you've never seen your life change as a result of what God did in your life, maybe you never really had God do something in your life. That is salvation for every person that has. And I believe that is most of you. What are you doing with it? We need you to serve because we have thousands of people out there that we're going to reach with the gospel. We need you to get involved. There are dozens of positions available right now for you. We need you. I'm asking, I'm I'm begging you right now, get involved at Four Points Church. My wife will jump for joy. Josh will jump for joy. There's several other people that will jump and be excited. If you want to serve, there's a place for you, every person, no exceptions. Go back there and see them right after the service. They need your help because we want to reach everybody and all of you are valuable to God. We need you. So I'm asking you as we close, do you know, do you know that you're saved based on the fact that Jesus came in and captured your heart with grace and changed you? And then if you are, what are you doing with it, right? Because he is for you and he wants you to walk in freedom and be greatly used. Will you bow with me? Based on the definition of salvation that we've given today, meaning that you have trusted Christ in your heart, believe that God raised him from the dead, and because you accepted grace, he changed you. You didn't change, he changed you. I want to know, honestly, every person in this room, who can honestly say, Mark, that's me, Pastor Mark, I am, I am certain that I'm saved. Just raise it up, raise it as high as you can, Pastor Mark, I'm saved. Just be honest, be honest, be honest. Hands up all over the room, hands up all over the room. Is there anybody, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for me, is there anybody that would say, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure. I just want you to slip your hand up right now. I'm not sure if I'm saved. If that's you, slip it up right now. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm saved. That is awesome. That is awesome. Everybody in here is a Christian. So here's the deal. Everybody look. I'm going to close it out this way. We're going to sing 10,000 Reasons, which is such an awesome song to close us with. I'm asking every one of y'all to stand. Let's worship the Lord together. But here's the deal, okay? You cannot be the same when you leave here today and not tell somebody. Take those cards, ask people to come to church, love on people, show the grace and mercy that God's given you and return the favor, right? To every person that we see, love people. Love people. Show the love of Jesus that you have by loving others. Hey, listen, we can change the world with the gospel, but I cannot by myself. If you think that I'm going to do anything without an army we're not going to do it we want to reach every single person out there with the gospel and start a bunch of churches and change this whole community and everywhere around us but we need you we need you and that's why we do what we do because we have an advocate that stands 
and loves us. Is that not awesome? So listen, two quick things. The, the students will meet here at 4.30 on Friday to go to um, Winter Jam. Lecrae will be there. It's going to be amazing. We'll get you more information this week. Look on Facebook. It's going to be awesome. And then we'll start our small groups next week. One small group we didn't talk about last week. We need accountability in this. Like when we change, we need accountability, right? Some of you are in a financial mess. Some of you are financial mess. I don't need to point you out because you're like, that's me. I've already seen it. We're going to do a financial peace class, but it's a little bit different. It won't be as expensive as that. It'll start in March. There's a lot more sign-ups for, for accountability. We need you to be a part of that small group because you need you to be a part of that small group. If you're interested in the financial one, it's going to be awesome. I love you guys. Let's stand and sing and worship Jesus together.